Hi and welcome to Arrow's coverage of Infosec 2019. We are once again asking the hard questions of our vendors, finding out what their priorities are into 2020 and how they intend to help our channel to develop to address the ever-changing security landscape. We hope you enjoy this series, and if so, please subscribe. Hi and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth Live at Infosec 2019. Hello. And uh, we're all here today to uh, bring a little flavor and a taste of Infosec to you, our loyal YouTube uh, fan base. If you're watching this live, thank you very much. If you're not, why not? But never mind, you can watch it in replay. So just quickly, we've basically brought a panel of experts. Well, I say three experts and, and one person in the middle um, to try and coordinate. Um, an expert facilitator. An ex Thanks, mate. No worries. Yes. Um, an expert facilitator to bring you for the next 30 minutes a bit of discussion around a topic that we feel is close to our hearts. But before we do anything, let's just introduce the panel. So we'll start with our esteemed vendor panelist. Thank you very much. Um, my name is Holly Steele. I work for IBM Security and I run the um, system integrator and business partner community for IBM. Lovely to meet you, Holly. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Hi, I'm Paul Vaughan. I work for Arrow. I'm the Channel Advisory Services Lead in the UK, and uh, I'm the guy responsible for helping the resellers and the, the partners in the channel sort of reorient some of their businesses towards uh, solutions and uh, all the interesting AI stuff happening at the moment. And more importantly, if you can find that voice in your head from previous episodes, Paul, is a, you're a regular bandwidther. Yeah, and I'm smiling today. <laughs> yeah, Paul, I'm, I'm never smiling, always grumpy. And my esteemed co-host for today is going to be Mr. Sam Hector. Yeah, Sam Hector. I uh, I work for Arrow in the IBM team, uh, currently doing cybersecurity stuff, but also host host Arrow shows, and I'm in front. I'm a front of camera personality. By I was going to say, yeah, you're, you you took over from me on our uh, Arrow yeah, bandwidth whatever, whatever we call it now. Yeah, what can I say? Hence the reason yeah. he's on. Anyway, so the purpose of today's conversation was essentially to have a bit of a, a bit of a debate about a stat that, that I saw in the media recently, which is all about um, the number of jobs, or, or should I say the skill shortage in security. So we're obviously in for sec, um, loads of vendors. I mean, this, this is the biggest show I personally go to, uh, you know, in the UK by a long way. Um, advertising all these amazing technologies with all these incredible features. but. I think the one thing that's really lacking in the world today is skills. Uh, there was a stat that came out recently, and we'll reference it in the show notes, but essentially it said that there's 2.9 million job listings today for cybersecurity experts, of which none of them are being filled. There is a massive skill shortage in cybersecurity. So, we basically, well, I'm posing the question to the panel, but is the answer to the skill shortage automation, AI, machine learning, how do we solve this current massive shortage? So, Holly, let's start with you. Thanks. <laughs> Ladies first and all that. Absolutely. So, um, so I don't, I, there is a massive skill shortage and where I'm coming from, from IBM, um, we're doing a lot around AI and also automation. Um, but we're also doing a lot, I don't think automation AI is a silver bullet at this point in time. It might become so in the future, but right now it's more an advisory um, response, in my, that's you know my opinion. Mm. And we're doing a lot of things around um, also workforce as well. So we're doing things with um, Salute My Jobs, with the Army, with recruiting people from the 
the army to upskill them into cybersecurity because they've got the SC clearances and so forth. So that's a really, really oh, makes sense. interesting area that we're doing a lot of things in. And we're doing it also with some of our business partners as well in conjunction with them. Um, we're also doing a lot around um, uh, the grassroots as well within workforce. So we're working with um, Cyber First program, which is also we're, we're uh, bringing government into that as well. And we're going around schools and it's particularly around women because it's not just you know, we have a skill shortage, we also have a, a, you know, a diversity shortage across the board, not just, you know, women, but also disability, race, all sorts of things. So, we, we you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. So we're doing that around the schools at the moment, um, and uh, that's getting a lot of press. We've actually, I think we've trained a thousand schoolgirls, and we're holding um, hacking wow. competitions um, around the country uh, wow, in the summer incredible. in order to get them kind of engaged and try and get girls interested and just kind of grassroots and push it up. So it's really exciting. So Holly, you, you kind of split the, you split the problem in two there. I did, really. sorry. I like to do that. No, that's no, fine, that's good. fine, you crack on. It's a good way of approaching it because, you know, we, we can talk about AI and automation from a technology point of view, but actually the problem that, Dave, people, that, well. that Dave posed is a skill shortage, yeah. right? And so you can either look, and which IBM is doing, you can either look to skill up more people in the area or you can look to augment the, the people and the talent you already have so you you know you've spoken about what ibm are doing in um skilling people up yeah but uh, th there is a role for technology right uh, absolutely no it's a two-way process as i said it's not a silver bullet so it's it's two things so there's a technology point as well so we're actually working with open platforms is much you know helping a lot because um it's it you know we, we don't have that problem of people only having skills on particular applications with an open ecosystem and open architecture. Things like Security Connect from IBM, we have a platform now where you can actually connect to it, different products and different technology vendors. So all your vendors here, many of them are already beyond Security Connect coming. People like, you know, people who'd consider us to be um, competing against people like Splunk, for example, um, one of your, you know, esteemed, one of our esteemed uh, competitors, but also partners in this space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they would also integrate into Security Connect, for example, which allows some more automation for customers in that sense. But so that's just one thing. It's about platform, openness, ecosystem, and integration. But then there's also an advisory point of view as well, and some things that uh, we're doing in the area of um, the Mitre Attack framework, for example, with our um, our products. We're actually integrating um, those those tools into our technology so that we can automate uh, responses on tactics so that the uh, cyber analyst can get to the tactics of why that attack is happening really quickly and automating that with our platforms with Curadar for example and Resilient for operational, operational response. So we are doing lots of things in that space. So we are very, I think IBM is pretty ahead of the curve actually on both elements. We're not actually addressing one issue. We're actually trying to address both the work shortage and the skill shortage and also the automation around that as well. So I think we're, we're doing a pretty good job, actually. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, we can't just look at this as we're going to augment, or sorry, we're going to replace all of the human workforce. I know this is something you're passionate about, replacing the, the human workforce with automation and AI and machine learning. It's it's an augmentation, right? It's a, it's a balance. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, uh, my view is that uh, the robots and the machines are going to augment and complement what humans do. I agree. And uh, I know there's a lot of uh, hysteria, maybe, about the fact that jobs will disappear. And there's an element of truth of that. Uh, some jobs will disappear. But the jobs that we want to disappear are the ones that are banal, 
they don't uh, do anything for humans. So uh, I was speaking to someone who uh, is implementing a scanner, a robot scanner to go through the supermarket and scan and see what product uh, is running out and then you know, relay to the back office to get that particular uh, merchandiser to fulfill that. Now at the moment, a human being must walk through constantly to check what, I mean really, is that, is that what people have a life on earth for? So let the robots do that and then let the humans go and do something far more useful. So I agree, it's about interesting. So jobs will become more interesting. Mm. I think jobs will change as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, IBM are doing lots of things in the area of quantum, for example. That's going to change jobs as well. That's right. Um, That's going to fundamentally change. Yeah. I know, it's very exciting. I'm quite excited by quantum, um, which some notes I get a bit sad about it. Um, we can geek out a, on that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for a different uh, podcast. <laughs> but, um, but, but jobs are going to change, and they're yeah. going to change to an advisory advisory role. Um, but it also means we can do things that are more interesting, as you say. So and we can actually... Equally, though, I think the skills will dynamically change within the workforce. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it is all about retraining and reskilling. Mm. And, and I think if you look at where AI is playing a role in, in the security market at the moment, it is around augmentation, not replacement. Because, mm. you know, I, IBM have got technology, but many, many vendors have a, have a story around AI. Where it's actually being used in the real world is to do the banal tasks that a level one analyst would have to do. So a level one, if you look at a SOC, if you look at you know the, the people that are staffed in a SOC, you have level one analysts that are effectively Googling a lot of stuff. Mm. Yeah, prioritizing it, triaging it, and moving it to level two or level three. Now, what we can do is actually make them a hell of a lot more efficient. Um, and that's, that's one of the uses where we're, we're augmenting and speeding up, almost like a force multiplier effect right. with AI, we're, we're not replacing. And of course, here's the problem with the SOC, right? Um, a human cannot do a multivariant analysis no. at one time. Yeah. They cannot look at three factors, where's, uh, what IP address is it coming from, uh, what time is it? Uh, is this activity taking place? And is this time yeah, exactly. done by someone who's allowed to do it at a time that they normally, or is there an abnormality? Yeah. Only agree. the machine can do that. I agree completely. And I think that's why using the MITRE framework, the attack framework, exactly. for example, in conjunction with the curator, Watson advisor, for, sorry to plug and everything. That's but, okay, you crack but, on. <laughs> but in, in using yeah. those together, then you've already done a lot of that hard work with the tactics from the framework that are already yep. in place. Um, because that's already that's already integrated. So I think that's really And we have to be really honest true. about it. I mean, yeah. uh, humans are clever, but they can't do that. And so if you continue doing that, you're going to miss so much. Absolutely. And what's the point of missing it when you actually have to catch everything? Well, we briefly stepped into my world then of, of AI and, and machine learning and data. And you're <laughs> absolutely right. We are, as human beings, we are terrible at looking at dimensionality. We are good at going X and Y, and that's it. And then plotting some points anything past that and we're rubbish. And this is exactly where I'd hope we'd get to, which is all about how actually machine learning and AI is great because we've got, I mean, networking and things. I mean, I think there's only one industry that generates more data, and funny enough, it's another highly automated industry of manufacturing that actually generates more data than IT does. So, I, so manufacturing generates the most data on the planet, followed by IT. Because essentially we are generating billions and billions and trillions mm, of logs okay. every day from all the different bits of stuff and everything's logging even more now and, and trying to analyze that 
in any way other than super highly automated, completely impossible. But, but if you take a, take a step back from this discussion for a minute and look at, look at cybersecurity as a subset of what's going on in the technology world as a whole, I think five years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, cybersecurity was an integration problem. And I think cybersecurity, and we've pretty much solved that because, you know, the, the, the customers that our partners are talking to had tens of different, hundreds of different point solutions that they've oh, built up sure. over years and years of audit compliance requirements, and they weren't talking to each other. And that was an integration problem that security intelligence and log management has pretty much come along and solved because yeah. now everything's talking to each other. Now the what has the larger technology industry moved on to from integration? It's big data, it's analytics, it's AI. And again, cybersecurity is just a very highly specialized use of what's going on in, in the technology industry as a whole, right? And that's yeah. why we're talking about AI today. And yeah. we're not talking about integration, which we were five years ago. No, I couldn't agree more. But I think where, and I'd be really interested to hear the panel's point on this, but first and foremost, I'm gonna read off some statistics. So we've been running a survey from all the people that have uh, come into our sort of event today. We're running a, a survey and basically we asked them as they came in, how many of you are utilizing automation um, actively in your customer engagements? And it was around about 50-50 the response we got. So I'd like to ask the panel, so we've decided that AI and machine learning to be able to look at the data, quantify the problems, do that correlation, good. But where are we on actually taking the next step? So taking the information that our Radar and our SIMS and our SOX develop and actually automating the resolution of the problem. Are we near, are we there yet? Are we, are we on the road? And We're on the road. And, and do we want that to happen? Well, this is the, well, <laughs> this <laughs> is the question. Open question. <laughs> Debate. <laughs> and, and this comes into the incident response field, right? So we know we know an attack's happened. It's been flagged up. You know, we've used AI to say, um, you know, correlate a number of things that a human couldn't possibly correlate in a SOC and say there's a problem. Now, how do we respond? How do we respond to that incident? Do we want? Do we still want that to be dealt with by humans, or do we want automated incident response? It's it's a delicate subject. Well, um, sorry, but no, I, was, I was just going to say that I think again, I don't think it's. It depends what what the incident is and whether it's been seen before and it's actively picked up for example but I think that um, I think it's always good to have an advisory situation and have a, a human involved in in part of the process uh, I don't believe it needs to be right at the beginning um, of the process but certainly just to make sure that the process has been followed um, so I, I do think there's always going to be an advisory role particularly within cybersecurity because my question would be, what happens when the incident occurs at three o'clock in the morning and there's little or no support to be able to deal with the problem? Do we let the data be exfiltrated or do we let the breach or whatever occur or do we have an automated response? Is there a, is there a scope to which we should be looking into the automated response? Because once again, it comes down to the, the sort of initial problem of do we throw more people at it or do we throw more technology at it? This, and I think that's a, it's a question that almost our partner base is answering in terms of there's, there's so many companies out there. Cybersecurity is a problem for all companies. Yeah. You, you cannot avoid cybersecurity as a challenge. It's about what, 
what route do companies take to solve that problem? Now, with the skills shortage, we're finding that it's impractical for a number of small and medium-sized firms to be able to tackle it in-house, right? Now, what do they do? Do they, do they you know, go to grab a cloud solution and try and staff it themselves, or do they turn to a managed service provider you know, through the Arrow ecosystem, yeah, who, do, who do have a follow the sun 24 hour, you know, and, and take care of that as a service. But then there's my question back to you is if you are, let's take that second example, you're a follow the sun <laughs> service provider who's trying to provide 24 by seven coverage, you've got a profit margin to maintain. Yep. You don't want to throw, as you bring on more customers, do you automate or do you throw more staff at it? So I, I think you can automate much of it. Um, if you use something like Curate or Watson Advisor, then you can actually automate the mapping of the attack um, profile. So you can definitely automate much of it. Um, but I, it depends, it depends um, I guess, what kind of SLAs and what kind of information that you actually feel is right for your organization. Some organizations might, might not have anyone to actually deal with a response if you do have a 24-7 SOC anyway. So what's the point if you're actually, if you, everyone's in bed you say what's the point but you kind of if no one's actually going to be available then then why would they they have a 24-7 response in the first place it depends what your organisation's like whether it's global whether it's 24-7 I mean mm. you, there's lots of uh, questions around so that no, so your question I, I think you've answered this question but I don't think the the um, the general assumption is maybe helpful okay. that now this is what i mean we asking this question in relation to our customers so arrows customers and of course uh, ibm and the other vendors how can we help our resellers and all of that stuff right i i think if we pose the question like this do our customers uh, customers so the the customers of the resellers and the partners do they care so much about our profitability and our ability to run these services and all these things. I think our customers' customers will say, well, no, I just want my problems fixed. And um, if you can automate it and uh, almost get rid of our whole practice of capability, then yeah, we're up for it, right? Yeah. We don't really care about your business model. And I think if you start there and work back, then you'll find, we will find a way to help the end user organization get what they want because ultimately they the sovereign um, sort of piece in the in the puzzle right they the ones with the money and they are spending it into the channel and so if we start there I think and I know this is gonna be tough because I have to say this to the resellers some of your business models that you build have built over the course of many years and you're very successful yeah I'm not so sure your customers like that so bring in automation and AI in to fix customers problems and yes, you will lose some of that revenues and you'll have to start to focus your activities and, uh, on, on other advisory services, architecting services, giving them a vision of what cybersecurity looks like. I think that's probably where you're going to find people uh, building their new business models, not so much around, oh, how can we keep the sock going? And that takes us into the era of cloud, doesn't it? It certainly <laughs> does. Yeah. So one of, one of my business partners, Paul, to, to your point, um, is one of these business partners that says, look, we will, we will solve the cybersecurity challenge for you as a managed service. Leave right. it to us. We will, we will outsource that. Cool. We will deliver that back to you as a function. 
one of one of the things they come up with most when they're talking to their customers is okay we'll deliver you 24 by 7 on the cybersecurity monitoring piece mm -hmm. right if we if we detect a cybersecurity incident who do we pick up the phone to in your organization that's also working 24 by and 7 that's, that's kind of what i was getting to earlier sam because it's but all very well having these services but if you don't have anyone to respond then you've got a question to ask and, and also let's yourselves let's frame that as um you know ai and automation can help with the response to a cybersecurity incident in terms of mitigating that attack and mitigating further damage if you there's a, there's a great deal of work in the cybersecurity industry being done at the moment around security theater and actually role-playing what happens in the event mm, of a cyber attack cool. and uh, you know, IBM have, have got the um, Soctimus Prime that they, that's a big truck. CTOC. Soctimus Prime. We, yeah. we, we call it Soctimus <laughs> Prime in the UK, but they, they branded it CTOC, <laughs> Command Tactical Operations Center. Oh, I like it. I, I prefer Soctimus Prime. We're probably not allowed to use that officially. Yeah, 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 hey. yeah. Obviously, we haven't said that out loud. Copyright. Um, Oops. But, but that's right. No one will watch this anyway. The, the, <laughs> the, essence, the essence of it is, um, in the event of a cybersecurity incident, we have technical people, we have business leaders, we have PR, we have marketing, all of these people. Press. Press. We, we have a all of those people have a role to play in a cybersecurity incident, and we're focused on mm. AI and automation from a purely responding to an incident mitigating attack point of view. But if an incident happens at 3 a.m., you know, do what happens? That, what happens? End customers wanted resolved. I mean, so they I want it resolved, but equally, it's not the, it's not actually the solution provider necessarily that's going to be at the sharp end. It's going to be the vendor. So mm. they need to start thinking as the as the as the customer, the vendor, the manufacturing organisation, a financial institution. What's the impact going to be on me? It it might you know from a from a, 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 a like a press situation, from okay. a stock market situation. Okay. What is Reputational the impact actually going to happen? So because that's the important question, and it's that's how much it costs. So if it costs, if they don't care about that, then they won't spend any money. But if they do care about that, then they might think, well, you know what? We absolutely do need to invest okay. in 24-7. And not only that, we need someone who's able to respond from a press point of view, because we're in a global economy now. We all take our iPhones home. We all do our emails after 7 p.m., unless you're French, of course. Um, well, they don't have to. They're, it's illegal, but isn't it? They, they, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. The I wish I lived in France. So if awesome. the remediation is, um, <laughs> if the remediation has just become um, commoditized, then you see, I, I think my opinion is being informed by my data center days when there was big business for um, finding out that memory uh, in servers have become compromised and they're broken, and you have to go to the data center, you have to change the memory, blah, blah, blah. Now with uh, lots of intelligence built into your, uh, your server infrastructure and the fact that uh, if there's any degradation in, in the hardware, you can move virtual machines. But People don't care about, uh, they just want, they just know it can be resolved. I disagree, so within your data center days, you it. had resiliency run books if, 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 the, if the whole data center went down. Mm -hmm. Within cybersecurity, we need the same thing. And Within those runbooks and those playbooks that you would have, you would, you know, they, they can't be online, obviously, because yeah. But at the moment, we don't have those runbooks in the data center. Uh, the, the the hypervisors know when the hardware is is flaky and 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 workloads are moved and it's completely resilient and no no one even cares about the hardware. In fact, uh, some of these big platform providers, you know, that they have humans walking around the data center pulling out all the dead motherboards, right? They don't even 
because there's nothing on yeah, it. Yeah, they're not like unplugging and. And so I'm saying, is it possible that we are getting, we should be getting to that stage, where the remediation is a non-event? Then the we moment, go back we to cloud, don't we? Well, so and security, security within the cloud and automation and. Um, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm suggesting that he's going to go to a place. Oh, it's already there. Yeah. So. So I, I curate, think you know, security intelligence on cloud with curator on cloud and I, I, you know response tools. I agree. Sorry. Just coming coming back to the to the run books mm. um, issue and, and is it going to become a commodity? I think it's really dangerous to talk about AI and automation as a silver bullet towards that goal because if you start talking to a to an end user or, or if our partners start talking to them about that as a silver bullet they might be automating a bad or immature process. And automation and I AI agree completely. Yeah, yeah, is, that's a is only, if, you, if you've it's not got a mature security model in place already, you're just going to be getting a bad result faster as a result of <laughs> AI. Or miss everything okay, altogether. So what's what's the, uh, the opposite of that? If you've got a good process that you automate, then you've got a good outcome, right? But that takes us back to making sure we've got good frameworks in place as well. Yeah. So, and making sure that we have the integrations into those frameworks and the apps that are integrated into those frameworks. And mm. But let me play devil's advocate. What's better, having a bad process but that stops something, albeit not quite as slickly or succinctly as we'd hoped, or having no process or no automation that lets you know, an exfiltration or a problem, mm. because... They're both complacent. I, 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 I would disagree, <laughs> and I'm going to disagree. I fear for my life of disagreeing, because I'm going to get killed. But, <laughs> but um, from someone who, who's seen lots of weird ways of doing things and lots of ways that partners have done things over time, I'm a big believer in the fact that having something is better than nothing. And actually, mm -hmm. often, it's the starting point to go to the next place. So I would argue that automating things is critical because I, I'm a big believer in the fact that even if your organization isn't 24-7, your website, your apps, your data probably is. Yeah. And actually, if your data is being, you know, you don't switch your servers off or switch your firewalls off when you go home at night. You don't turn off the internet because you've generally got hundreds of things going back and forth to the cloud, lots of batch processes that run overnight. Therefore, you are very at risk during the night. And I, I talk about the night because the night is actually when a lot of this kind of stuff happens because it's just perceived as a, a quieter time to mm. be able to, to do these kinds of things. So I would argue that it's important to automate something so that when you're not there, you're not at risk. Because I don't necessarily think it's about having loss in productivity. It's just about having fundamental loss of anything when you're not literally watching the dials and, and keeping everything ticking over. I, I agree with, with what you said. Good. Okay. <laughs> so you're not going to die, so that's good. Um, <laughs> um, but no, I, I agree that having, you know, and I, I, we, we, um, we promote automation a lot at IBM, as you know. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so I agree 100% with what you said. But, uh, um, but I, 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 um, I do think that you do need to have your right processes behind the automation as well, because I think as a vendor, um, if people haven't actually looked at the processes that they're actually looking at putting in place, then quite often um, people aren't utilising the full capability of their products that mm -hmm. they've actually got at their, you know, their disposal, which is a bit of a shame for them because mm -hmm. they're not actually 
using what they've got in their bag of bag of tools. And right. I think companies sometimes perhaps don't do the due diligence or they perhaps don't look at the processes which they need to put in place in order to actually stand something up. So it's worth investing in professional services, for example, to make sure that it is actually being utilized correctly, having health checks um, within your systems to make sure that, again, they're being utilized correctly because you might be missing some really good things that you could be getting automatically and, and also and also you might be able to automate a lot more and have less staff on the ground if you actually do a little bit of kind of extra prep. And I think that sometimes gets missed by, by organizations. Yeah, I'd agree with I that. I think that's fair, yeah. I, I think somehow I'm gonna disagree with Dave and agree with Holly, and <laughs> you're not gonna die either way. That's fine, mate, that's fine. But if you look at, if you look at end users that have an immature security model, you're proposing that, that automation is still a good thing because something is better than nothing. Security is often seen as the enemy of productivity by organizations that don't have a very mature security model. Completely agree. If you therefore automate things that from an immature perspective, I think you're either going to really um, have a lot of false positives or let a lot of things slip through. It's gonna be, without a mature security model, it's gonna be very hard to find the point where actually you're optimizing your risk posture because you don't have a full view of what your risk posture is. That I would completely agree with. And I want to very quickly play devil's advocate. This actually happened to us recently. Are we allowed to say this publicly? I'm going to use some, some it air quotes. It hypothetically happened to us. This hypothetical person that hypothetically runs our company right. was hypothetically accessing his email from a hypothetical plane. Right. From and sorry. From a plane. Hypothetical plane. Uh, yeah. And um, his PA accessed his email from his hypothetical headquarters in Denver, Colorado, and immediately blocked his email. Oh, right. Because our automated system turned around and went, hold on, our, the head of our company is accessing his email from both well, Denver and this satellite that happens to come down in California or somewhere. He can't be in two places at once. Block him. Now, did this make him angry? No. He was actually, <laughs> although that is a false positive, he was actually like, do you know what? That's okay. Fair play. Because at the end of the day, I'd rather that happened than the alternative, which is actually people can access our email from anywhere in the world. Now, don't get me wrong, right? He then phoned up, got it unblocked, sorted. But I think as long as you've got, and albeit that's a simple example, but it's a real example that actually happened. Um, and as long as you've got a good remediation strategy for the false positives, and you've got a, and you've got an approach, and this is where we start to get into almost DevOps, which is where as long as you've got a process that you can then iterate your automation, albeit you can't, really, you, you, we didn't really want to iterate that. We just said keep it as it is. Um, can, can I can I steer the conversation? Because we've been through the technology fair in a yeah, good amount of depth. Yeah. Can I steer the, the conversation a little bit back towards the human element and the skill yeah, shortage? Because I think. You know, Paul, as we said earlier, um, has a lot to say in this space. Um, what what do you think firms should be doing to find the right talent? And what do you think vendors should be doing to help build the right talent in this space? Is is there is there best practice that's developing in the industry? And what are our, what are our partners talking to our clients about? Well, I think the first thing is to recognise uh, poor thinking, bad thinking. 
and this is what I mean, if you look at the humans in your business, if you're in the knowledge economy, and you look at the humans in there and see them as a cost, you're gonna run into trouble, right? If you can see the humans that work for you as your differentiation, the thing that makes you special, the fact that the people that work for you who interface with your customers sit in a thing called the value zone and they sit there, not the managers, not the line managers, but your people. If you get your head around that, then things start to open up for you, opportunities start to open. You suddenly realize, hold it, I shouldn't put um, the weakest folk in that value zone. I should find an opportunity to grow them, to make them even better than they are and not be fearful of the risk that they might leave because yeah, as I agree I agree with that yeah. so automation is great for that because then you're giving people things that they yes. want to do which is what what you're exactly. saying so it's about it's about constant education and development and investment in your staff but it is recognizing first because yeah. people will look at the the the, 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 the cost of education yeah. and say bloody hell must I go and pay look at all this money I have to pay for and and they could leave it's like well what happens if you don't educate them and they stay <laughs> equally, equally, it's, yeah, but that's like it's, that. yeah, but the the thing is with this though, they could be doing more interesting things that could exactly. be earning your company more money. Absolutely, and developing new apps or you know d developing new you know new inventions or IP or whatever it is. Yeah. Rather than sat in front of a, a you know Google trying to figure out who's uh, yep. who's tech what, but and they could do little projects on the side. They'd be interested. They can develop, and they can actually yeah. help your organisation. So I completely agree and. IBM certainly um, invest a lot in their staff. It's, um, my team specifically, I make it quite mandatory for them on a Friday afternoon to do training. And we have a brilliant um, security academy learning tool right. um, that is open to anyone. It's open, it's, it's free, it's open. It takes them through um, security, um, uh, security intelligence, what that is, identity access management. It takes them through data. Governance. Uh, it's a really, really good tool, and I'd recommend for we've, right. we've got competitors who use our our security academy because it's so good, and it's it's a brilliant thing for partners um, mm. to get them get their team up to speed, and it's a great thing because you can actually track then what people are doing, so you can see well, okay, well if and again it allows you to measure people's output. That's right. Which is good because then you can say well, do you know what you've for a, for a sales guy for example you've not sold anything well you've not sold it because you don't know what the hell it does so. That's right. You know, obviously, you've not sold well, it. So there's the proof, right? You're talking about what you have implemented already, and you you said nothing about the thinking because it's ingrained into it's part and parcel of how you guys operate, and yeah, that's so what we should be doing, yeah. right? It shouldn't be something I'm saying it because people are not even getting the thinking right. Whereas you guys, IBM, you, you you've just <laughs> moved on beyond the thinking, and you're doing the stuff that needs to be done. But you don't get to that point unless you understand the value of the people that are in your business. Because you don't, I know that we've got a, sh a skill shortage, but we also have a shortage of managers and executives who don't truly value the people that they do have. Because it's, I mean, if we do have a skill shortage, right, then we're gonna have to train people from zero to something. If we've got people already, it, it's not that hard to go from what they already know to a little bit extra, but right? But e equal though, I think it's quite an interesting way to, to do things because you can also measure people who are there, but they don't want to go any further. No, yeah, and maybe you don't enough. want them in your organization either. If they're that's not willing right. to put the investment in and the time themselves, then perhaps they're not the right person for your organization either. So that's I think it goes two ways and it, it's a great tool as a, as a 
you know, business to make sure you're, you know, you've got the right people who really want to develop right. and want to grow and yep. they don't want to be stagnant. You know, it's always changing. The work environment's changing. Nothing is still yep. and people have to change and they have to learn with the environment. One, one of the things, just to, just to round out the, the people discussion that, um, that I've seen IBM doing recently, which is really interesting, is especially in the public sector, this skill shortage is even more challenging because in the public sector, they don't have the budget to pay the big salaries. They don't have the budget to retain okay. necessarily the people with the cybersecurity skills. And I, ca yeah. I can't name, I don't know if I can name the customer or not, so I won't. But in the public <laughs> sector, um, what, what IBM have done is, is developed a cyber skills assessment. So what they're doing is reaching out to the thousands of people across the business that work for this business and saying, do you have the aptitude and the required skills to do this type of cybersecurity job? And if so, why don't we retrain you? Because it's going to be much easier for someone that has a brain that thinks analytically to fit into that type of role. So we're, uh, we're, we're helping place people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're, really, we're really ahead here. I mean, it's, an, it's, it's a really progressive company really so it's um people people don't think of ibm i think in that way but really it's uh, it's, it's amazingly no. agile even as a beast and so. especially in the security sector where it's fundamentally not very agile full stop so that's really impressive it's it's yeah. I, i'd say it's getting more and more crowded as well if you look at if you look at the vendors that are at infosec you know this is this is one of the busiest infosec show floors that I've seen in a yeah, long time. Yeah, it's jammed. And it's also one of the most crowded with new vendors. Yeah. And that's really indicative. We were discussing yeah. that earlier, weren't we? Yeah. You know, we say the cybersecurity market is a, is a crowded vendor marketplace. Look at InfoSec today. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Well, look, guys, we could literally talk all afternoon. <laughs> and we kind of have. Um, <laughs> we're boring everyone. Sorry. So. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I, don't, I, 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 don't, I want to leave a little bit of space on YouTube for other people. Um, <laughs> So look, really, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Holly, ever so much. Can I, I just do you. a plug? Plug away, Thanks. absolutely. So um, if you want to find out more about the MitraTAC framework or any of the IBM business partners or solutions, um, then we're holding a, um, a demo event um, at the Hilton Hotel tomorrow from Fantastic. 10 till 8. And there's lunch and, and beers, and it's, it's predominantly for end users and business partners Perfect. who are interested in IBM. Awesome. So tomorrow being the so 5th you. of June. 5th of June. Just in case yeah. people are watching this not realize there's, there's, there's drinks and champagne from 6 onwards. <laughs> what more do you want? What more <laughs> do you want? <laughs> thank you, chaps. Much appreciated yeah, thank as you. always. Thank you, Holly. Cheers. Thank uh, you. Thanks, uh, yeah, thank you for watching and we shall uh, see you soon. Thank, thank you. you. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Please come back again next week for the next instalment of our exciting coverage from InfoSec 2019. See you then.